Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Our guest today, my good friend Lincoln Steed, a longtime editor of the nation's foremost magazine devoted to religious freedom, Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, welcome. It's always a pleasure to be on the program. Thanks, Alan. Our topic, the age of entitlement versus religious freedom. What do you mean by that, the age of entitlement versus religious freedom? Well, you know, I've noticed this for some time, but the best way to summarize it is to point out the unprecedented alliance between the uh, so-called religious conservative faction, used to be the moral majority, and this present administration, and in particular, this present president. Now, there's nothing wrong that an alliance has been made, but I think it's enabling what I term this religious entitlement. So, and again, what do you mean by religious entitlement? Well, as you and I are often saying, and I'm sure on this program you point out that true religious liberty is uh, uh, an absolute right of everybody, regardless of their religion or lack of religion, to believe what they want or disbelieve what they want. You know, that comes hard for many people. I know even in with Seventh-day Adventist church groups, when I talk to them on that basis, they look at me askance because they're quite comfortable with their own faith, but you know, it's one thing to sort of allow other people but to defend it, even to the, the point of sacrificing yourself for someone else's cause. That, that doesn't come easy. I've often said, Lincoln, that the common American view of religious freedom is the freedom to believe as I do. It's well, very... that's another way of saying what I say. Right. We're very comfortable with pursuing our own freedom, but it's much harder to grasp that freedom belongs to the others. And if I can put this in the context of Jesus' parable of the judgment in Matthew 25, where he refers to the least of these, uh, the least of these that uh, we're supposed to treat like we would treat Jesus may very well be people of other religions, whether they are Protestant, Catholic, Mormon, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, you know it. Whatever religion is not your religion. And I don't read into that for myself, that I have to agree with the particulars of their faith at all. In many cases, I think it's the foolishness. But as a human being and as a fellow uh, creature of a created God, I have to give them every right as I would want. And I would protect that right to the. No, uh, you're right. We don't have the agree. The, you, know, you know, and that's the confusion because some people get it mixed up with the. Uh, a syncretism or an ecumenism that uh, can lead to a false sort of adjoining. Well, and I've often explained that the interfaith religious freedom efforts are distinct from ecumenism. Ecumenism, we try to focus on the things we have in common with religious freedom. It's our differences, our distinctives that bring us together because we want to preserve our rights where we are a minority, where we don't agree with one another. But let's go back to the, the theme yeah. here of uh, of entitlement. So, And one way to unmask it, I think, is to look at the obvious. Uh, there's this unprecedented political alliance between 
a, a group of politically active religionists. Right? Unprecedented. And it's happening at the same time that there's an, un, well, not an unprecedented, but a relatively or recently unprecedented move against uh, people of other faiths, in particular Muslims, by the government. Uh, a lot of people are objecting to it, but it doesn't particularly phase this religious group because they're not narrowly speaking by their actions shown, I think, to be pushing for all faiths to believe. It's, they want this, this agenda uh, of theirs to be empowered, and it includes things like recognizing uh, the capital <laughs> Is, uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Uh, it includes things like uh, uh, very much empowering the right of, of uh, Christians in the workplace to uh, exclude other people because of their particular faith. If you really think it through, it's an exclusionist view of religion, not inclusionist. Well, sure. and But I have often dubbed this, Lincoln, the Puritan Party in American politics, because I think that the roots go back to the, you know, colonial days and the Puritan ethos built on Calvinist theology of the elect has always been, uh, you know, that God has given us this country for, you know, to plant, uh, you know, the Christian flag, so to speak, to be a, a city upon a hill. And exclusion has been part of the American tradition, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's well, very, uh, explains a lot in most cases, and, and you're right. If you go back to the beginning, uh, you've got it. Uh, elsewhere in, in Liberty Magazine, we've featured recently the issue of slavery and how it related to uh, religious liberty and religious uh, freedom generally. And, and, you know, this is the American story. To make out like it's a sideshow is to miss the point. Uh, we started with a puritanical exclusiveness that, that broadened later with the larger uh, immigrant influx and, of course, uh, Enlightenment ideas and, and I think the best parts of Protestant thinking. But historically, we've still got this narrow tendency on, on religious views, and we've still got a rather them and us approach on other peoples, particularly other races. Okay, but to put this in context here, the genius of our Constitution rejected the Puritan Party and created a framework of the rule of law to protect the rights of everybody, regardless of belief. And although we didn't solve the race issue, clearly the, the values of equality, uh, you know, yeah, I agree with you. universal. I agree. I also have a view that law is one thing, but, you know, law is not known by all people to start with. That's why we need lawyers, right? Uh, but, but the popular view, what people think in themselves is really a dominant thing. And, and at the moment, we're living through a phase where the, the liberal uh, concepts of the Constitution are drifting away from popular consensus or consciousness. We're living at a stage when this exclusiveness of the Puritan era is rising its head. It's now politically empowered by this unprecedented alliance with uh, President Trump and some of his inside team. And uh, uh, it gives me great pause to where we're heading on religious liberty. But, okay, let me back up a step. When I speak to my secular liberal friends who tend to be very, you know, hostile to, to our president and wonder how we got here, I point out that liberal overreach is a major factor, that the assault by the left uh, on marriage, 
that the Obergefell decision on same-sex marriage, followed by a very large push on transgender rights, freaked out uh, what uh, liberals deride as flyover country, you know, everyday Americans. And, you know, and frankly, I'm sure a lot of our listening audience were quite concerned. I don't think that, um, you know, everyone who is a Christian and voted for Trump by a long shot, are anti-Muslim or anti-immigrant? Well, no, we're dealing in, in gross generalizations here. Of course, this is of course. There are always it's wonderful, but always exceptions. <laughs> well, we what describe, I would say I is we describe, but you know, right. you're talking about the yin yang of American politics, and there are many right. things. But you could make a good argument. I could whether these uh, excesses, say, of the liberals, whether this has caused the other or uncovered it. And I would put it that these things are there anyway. Uh, like I was just listening to a program about the blowback after Reconstructionism and moving into the 20th century uh, of racism. And, you know, they were, they were blaming the rise of the Ku Klux Klan on uh, D.W. Griffith's film and uh, a few other things. Well, you know, that might have played a part, but these things just reveal what's been percolating along quietly for a long time. Uh, and for a long time, for most of our lifetime, certainly uh, since the 50s and 60s, uh, the religious forces in the U.S. have felt embattled, threatened by secularism, and that's fine because we are. <laughs> but they've chosen a political course, and it's a political course to empower a narrower view of religion, not all peoples, as the Constitution so wonderfully uh, uh, applies this principle. Well, so what's the takeaway for our listening audience for Christians who, on the one hand, want to have their own rights protected, uh, and and there are some major uh, challenges to their own rights, but, you know, don't want to participate in being exclusionary, that, you know, we want to preserve religious freedom and free speech, et cetera, for for all Americans, not just for ourselves. Right. What, what well, we shouldn't be here? so easily threatened. Realize, as Jesus said, that we dwell in the land of the, the enemy and there's his kingdom yet to come. We're not establishing it here. Uh, and, and Christians need to show by influence, not by political power, the value of, of our faith. I mean, we have to believe, as, as anybody of any faith believes, that, that this is a, a very special system we belong to. It's not just one among many. You don't win the argument by force, by stifling the competition. And I think there's a very special test coming for uh, many people of faith in this country as the political powers champion it. Will we have the clarity to show God's grace to all people and spread, as the Bible says again, liberty throughout the land, not just for the select chosen few? Well, you know, if I tie this in with prophecy, uh, whatever your views on Revelation 13 and the Mark of the Beast, you do see an exclusionary form of religion, because some Absolutely. are worshiping the beast, and they're in, they're in power, and then those who are out of power who don't worship the beast and don't receive its mark, they're persecuted. Um, so I guess if we're if if we're the religion in power. <laughs> We better be careful we're not on the wrong side of both history and prophecy, right? Right. 
what history tells me, the real threat for people of faith is not when you're persecuted, it's when you're in power. That bears repeating, Link, and I, I don't think I've ever heard it put quite so cogently. The real threat to what, again? To uh, people's faith and to the veracity of religion is not when you're persecuted, it's when you're in power. Wow. Persecution strengthens faith and refines people's sense of direction. But having power corrupts it and uh, diverts people from the real spiritual agenda. Well, and frankly, that's my concern over the way that so many Christian leaders are aligning themselves with our present administration. Um, and, you know, refusing people who spoke up very forthrightly about the sins of Bill Clinton are not doing that today. And I, I think yeah. that, that the ultimate sure. problem, and, and I'm not speaking politically here, I'm speaking... It's you not know, to condemn Bill Clinton or, or President Trump, but if you're going to equate the, a political leader with the, the, the White Horse figure, then it's very corrupting to ignore uh, real inconsistencies with the faith that you're projecting. Is that a complicated way of explaining it? Well, you know, we as a church lose credibility, you know, when we appear to be hypocritical that way. And obviously, you know, the church is very broad and you have the spirit of Christ and the spirit of the devil. Right. And, uh, you know, now I'll quote another master. quote that people know, and it's not yet fully applied here, but it's that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, on that note, Lincoln, we've got to close. Very good discussion about religious freedom and the age of entitlement. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom Spring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, online at churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, Freedom's Ring is also available on SoundCloud. Check out our Freedom's Ring SoundCloud radio station. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.